Hello and welcome to my weekly sermon podcast. My name is David Hansen and I serve as the pastor of St. John Lutheran Church of Prairie Hill. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and of the Gulf Coast Synod of that church. We're located just outside of the town of Brenham, Texas. On Sunday, July 21st, we continued in our sermon series on Paul's letter to the Galatians called Radically Free, Radically Bound. This week, we considered together Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7, and we also heard the word of God from Luke 11, 1 through 13. Now would be a good time to pause this podcast and read those scriptures. Well, assuming you're not driving right now. If you're driving, wait till later and read those scriptures. To learn more about our congregation, please visit us at our website at stjohnprairiehill.org. That's stjohnprairiehill.org. And you may also connect with me on Twitter at Rev, R-E-V, underscore David. No matter where you are in the world when you listen to this sermon, please know that I am praying for you today and for your life of discipleship and your walk with our Heavenly Father. Paul writes, My point then is this, Heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves, though they are the owners of the property, but they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us. While we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. It says the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, when I went to Roanoke College, Professor Jerry McDermott had a bit of a reputation on campus. Dr. McDermott was known to be particularly harsh on on students who may not have been paying the best attention in his class. That he would, you know, kind of make you look foolish in front of everybody if he caught you off guard. It was well known that if you turned a paper into Dr. McDermott that it would come back covered in red ink. That the very best of students were lucky to get out of there with a B. He was known to be a tough grader and, and extremely good at what he did. Some of the people outside the religion department didn't know this. Right? And so from time to time we would get people from the other departments that would say, well, I'm going to take a class in the religion department as an easy elective. Those people usually wound up dropping out before midterm came. Now, I didn't know all this reputation of Dr. McDermott before I signed up for my first semester of classes. And so I wound up at Roanoke College in Salem, Virginia for my very first week of classes with Dr. McDermott's introduction to Christianity at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It was the hardest semester, I think, of my college career. Dr. McDermott put me through the ringer. Now, if you were to ask me about 
him today. I might tell you how Jerry and I became friends. He was a mentor of mine throughout my college career, throughout the next four years. I got to know Jerry and, and his wife, Jean, and, and their children and would house sit for them. and We would do social events together. And I'll tell you all about how much Jerry meant to me as I moved on my career towards seminary. But if I were to talk to him today, I would address him by saying, Dr. McDermott, sir. Because there's no way I could bring myself to call him Jerry, despite all that. Because, you know, names kind of matter, don't they? The ways that we talk to people, the what we call people, it matters. I wonder how many of you, and this can happen in a town like Brenham, how many of you, if you were to encounter your elementary school teacher, would call that person by his or her first name? Right? Or how many of you might, again, this can happen in a town like Brenham, walk into court and recognize the judge and call the judge by his or her first name? You see how well that might go for you. And how long it happens until you get a contempt of court. <laughs> or how many of you call your parents by their first name? I don't encourage you to try it. <laughs> names matter. The names that we, we, we call people, the titles that we use for people, these things, they make a difference in our relationships with them. And so the Jewish people, they had a number of names for God, names that they called God. That we've inherited. And so they called God El Shaddai, God Almighty. Or they called God El Elyon, God Most High. And all these names that sort of talk about how God is so very, very different than us. God is so far removed from us. And Moses, Moses is given in Genesis the name of God. Right? You know the story at the burning bush. God says, who shall I say sent me? And God eventually says, you shall tell them that I am who I am. It's actually a name. We sometimes translate it as Yahweh. So the Jewish people are given this name. There's a commandment about it. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It's talking about that name that Moses has given at the burning bush. And for the Jewish people, it's so important that as they're reading their Bibles, they'll come across that name in, in, in Scripture and they'll insert the word Lord, Adonai, because they don't want to say the name. Dr. McDermott, not Jerry, right? In fact, God is often called in Jewish tradition Hashem which means the name, because the name matters. And there are all these names that they talk about God with that make very clear that God is somewhere much larger, somewhere much holier, somewhere much more important than, you know, you and I. Right? And it's important to understand all of this as we encounter Jesus talking about prayer. Because in a world where the name of God, that, that name that we say, Yahweh, was only spoken once every year. Once every year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies in the Temple of Jerusalem on Yom Kippur, and he would say the name. And that's the only time anyone ever said it. And in this context, where God is Adonai, where God is El Shaddai, where God is Almighty, Jesus is asked how to pray. He's asked by his disciples how to pray, and he says, You shall pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We hear that there are resonances for us, right? This is, this is, this is right, the basis for the Lord's Prayer, that we pray here every Sunday morning, that we pray often in our homes. 
But what we've done with it is we've kind of muted what Jesus is saying. We've kind of drawn a curtain over what Jesus is saying. Because right as we say the Lord's Prayer, as we gather in this place, we'll say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here's my question for you. When is the last time outside of church or the Lord's Prayer that you ever said the word hallowed? When is the last time outside of church or saying the Lord's Prayer that you ever said the word thy talking about somebody? It's nice to meet thou. How thou doing today? Right? We kind of take it in. There's an old Monty Python skit that, that begins off and says, Oh Lord, you are so very, very big. And we are so very, very small. And oh Lord, we are impressed by your bigness. We kind of do that with God. We take these words and we just use them in church. And they're our church words. And they have nothing to do with anything else in the rest of our lives. We say, that's the Lord's prayer. But it's not quite what Jesus said. It's not quite what Jesus said. A seminary professor of mine was traveling to Israel, and, and, and he's the professor, he's a language guy. He's the guy who taught me Greek with the Middle Tennessee twang to it, right? And so he's in the airport, and this was long ago when you could have people around the gates in the airport, right? So he's in the airport, and coming off the plane and, and as he's coming off the plane he sees this little boy you know, five or so four or five right in that age and as, as, as he walks out and, and my professor moves out of the way the little boy's eyes pop open the widest they can get and he throws up his hand and he starts running towards the man behind my professor and he goes Abba, Abba, Abba now when is the last time that you saw a child run toward their parent and go Father, a five-year-old. Father, father. Right? What are they going to say? Daddy! Daddy! The word is so important that, that Paul brings us not the Greek version, but Paul in this one instance, and in, in our, our Bibles it breaks out of, out of English and into uh, Aramaic. Paul does the same thing. It's, he's writing along in Greek and he breaks into Aramaic and says, Abba. God has sent a spirit into our hearts crying out, Abba, Daddy. And that's the prayer that Jesus taught his followers. And people say, oh, well, you know, we ought not talk like that in church. That, 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 that it's kind of disrespectful to pray that way. To which I say, yes. Yes, it is. And if we miss how shocking Jesus' instructions about prayer are, if we miss how sacrilegious to us Jesus' instructions are about prayer, if we miss how almost blasphemous Jesus' instructions about prayer are, we've missed the whole point. Jesus is saying, and Paul is picking up here in the fourth chapter of the Galatians, that our entire relationship with God has changed. It's not the same. It's not about having God words and world words. It's not about a God who is so very, very distant from us. But it's about having a God whom we can rely on as much as a child relies on a parent. It's about having a relationship given to us through holy baptism where we can say no matter what, God is there for us. Knowing the promise that we will make to Collins here in a little bit, that God will make to Collins that you are my beloved daughter and nothing can change that. That's the promise that God has made to us. 
I don't know about you, but I don't call my dad father. Some people grow up that way. I didn't grow up that way. I call him dad. I call him pop. Old man. <laughs> right? And Paul says, this is the relationship that we have with God. We were sitting in the living room. And it was getting later in the afternoon. My daughter said to me, Dad, can I have a cookie? I said, excuse me? And she said, Dad, can I have a cookie, please? He were working on that. Dad, can I have a cookie, please? And I said, well, we've not had dinner yet, so... Let's, let's wait until dinner before we have dessert. She said, okay. So she went off. And she played. And she came back from playing after a little while. She said, Dad, can I have a cookie now? I said, no, we've not had dinner yet. Okay. She goes off and she plays and she comes back. Dad, can I have a cookie now? You ever known a kid, once they have their mind on what they want, to give up? You ever known a kid, once they have their mind on that thing that they just have to have, to let it go? Just because we say not yet or not now. Do you hear how Jesus talked about prayer? Talking about going to your neighbor's house in the middle of the night and knocking on the door. <laughs> and knocking on the door until you wake them up. And knocking on the door until they come. Because they may not come because they want to give you a loaf of bread, but they'll come just to get you away from the front door. Talk about that kind of persistence. That kind of not giving up. Daddy. Daddy, I need something. Daddy, I just think about my relationship with my father. I still call my dad when exciting things happen. Daddy, you won't believe what happened today. Dad, thanks for this great gift. Dad, let me tell you about my day. Dad, this thing that happened today really made me mad. Our father, Abba. It's a different sort of relationship that we're being called to. Through holy baptism, each and every one of us has been made God's beloved child. Here in the waters of baptism, we have been adopted and drawn into God's family. And God says, come to me. Tell me. All of it. Every bit. I want to know. I want to hear. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, I invite you to think about what it might look like to pray, Daddy, you sure are great. Daddy, I've made some mistakes today. Daddy, thanks for everything. I invite you to think about what it means to say and to know that saying our Father means we are loved. Our Father means we are cherished. Our Father means ask and it will be given to you. Our Father means seek and you will find. Our Father means we are loved. And nothing can ever take that away. Our Father, Daddy, thanks be to God.